ticket. Guys, Simply Earth's Essential Oil Recipes box makes it easy to master essential oils. At over $150 in value, you're going to get four full-size essential oils and all the ingredients you need to make six natural recipes, all for just $39 when you subscribe. Do you want to live a healthier life? Do you want the air in your home, or in my case, our tour bus, to be toxin-free? The answer is yes. Now, this is an amazing company, and here's why. Not just because of 100% pure and natural Simply Earth ingredients delivered straight to your door, but because these are essential oils that change the world, and here's how. 13% of their profits go to help end human trafficking. I'm going to say that again. 13% of their profits go to help end human trafficking. So when you get your essential oils from another company, well, you're going to get essential oils regardless. If you're like the West family, we want to get it from a company that wants to be a part of a cause greater than just profit. And that's what Simply Earth is about. We want to help end human trafficking. I hope you do too. These are the purest oils on earth. Like I said, 100% pure. There are no synthetics, no fillers in these oils. They're tested to be 100% pure with no additives, only the good stuff. These recipes work, too. Every single recipe is created and tested by AHA-certified aromatherapists. You won't get a recipe unless they love it. So here's how it works. You get 100% pure and natural Simply Earth ingredients delivered to your door. You follow the fun recipes in your Simply Earth essential oil recipe box to make products that you know will work because they're created and tested by certified aromatherapists. And you get to enjoy a home free of toxins as we are in the fall spending more time indoors that is more important now than ever so go to simplyearth.com west use the code west to get a free 20 dollars gift card with your first recipe box when you subscribe today that's simplyearth.com west get a 20 dollars gift card with your first recipe box when you use the code west and subscribe today What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of my podcast, the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always, I really hope you like it. Thanks for joining me. I'm coming to you today from my tour bus, and um, normally I would try to create some sort of soundproofing, which usually requires me putting several blankets over my head while I record. But you know what? Today I just decided to just tell you right up at the beginning here, where I am, where I'm coming from, and why you might be hearing the gentle rumble of the bus engine. We're on tour, the brand new tour, and we're having an absolute blast traveling around the country. It's been amazing. If you haven't been able to see a show yet, um, is it weird for me to say that I highly recommend you attending one of my concerts? Well, I don't care if it's weird because we want you to join us. Go to brandnewtour.com to find out how you can join us. And in case you're wondering if we're having a good time on the road, well, take a listen to the crowds from uh, a few of the most recent cities we performed. Bartlett, Tennessee. <laughs> Louisiana, how do you feel? We feel good. Texas, how do you feel on Super Bowl Sunday? 
safe to say it's been a good time had by all. I have to say, though, a highlight for me has been every single night at the end of every concert, my dad joins me on stage and uh, we pray and we give the opportunity and an invitation, uh, the gospel message, man. The whole night we're talking about Jesus, we're singing about Jesus. And at the end of the night, we give an opportunity for anybody in the crowd who has never said yes to Jesus to do just that. And uh, man, it's been so powerful just to see people respond, raise their hand, lift their voices, and ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their life. Man, that's, that's my why. That's what it's all about. And uh, it's been a powerful experience. So I'd love to have you come and join us on the road. All right. I hope you had a great Valentine's Day, too. And um, I just wanted to take this opportunity before we get into today's show to publicly acknowledge my love and devotion to Mrs. Emily West, my best friend, my partner in life, my champion, and I'm so thankful for uh, the love of an amazing woman in my life. And God has truly, truly blessed me far beyond what I deserve in so many ways. And one of the biggest ways is in who he's blessed me to walk through life with. So happy Valentine's Day to Mrs. Emily West. And the crowd said, aww. All right, my friends, let's get into today's show. My guest today is actually on tour with me right now as we speak. She's an amazingly talented young lady, uh, really just a, a world-class vocalist. Um, she Not long ago, she, re- she graduated from college, actually, so she was actually beginning her career as a recording artist while still a college student. She's a newlywed. She's got a lot of great things going on, and I think you're really going to be touched by her story and her voice. Let's go to the story house with my friend from the brand-new tour, Hannah Kerr. I've been doing interviews all day, but I've been on the other side of the microphone, like people asking me questions, Hannah Kerr, and I am incredibly bored with myself. And so <laughs> I was so excited that on my schedule today, I was going to get to be on the other side of the microphone and talk with the great the talented, the powerful, the amazing Hannah Kerr. Everybody in the studio, round of applause. It's Woo! just me. It's just me here. I'm sorry. Honestly, your applause means so much. Thank you. It's all I need. <laughs> now, there is a 97% chance that you are going to be so sick of me by the end of this spring because, I mean, we're right in the middle of it now, or we're still on the front end, but like, we're like tour buddies now. We're on tour together. And now we're doing this podcast interview. Like you're going to be like, by the time May comes around, you're like, please, no more Matthew. No more. <laughs> I doubt it. You're so fun. I'm like, let's just do this forever. Okay. <laughs> oh man. I am so glad to have become friends with you. So glad to have you on the road with me. And now so glad to have you join me at the Story House as part of this podcast. Millions of listeners around the world right now are getting to learn more about Hannah Kerr. So I don't want you to be nervous, but literally millions of people listen to this podcast. Well, I was going to say, you know, I wasn't that nervous, but now I'm definitely nervous. <laughs> no, I mean, just my mom and my dad. They're the only ones. Cool, 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 cool. And my mom and my dad probably Oh, too. so we've got four listeners. <laughs> Hi to Hannah's mom and dad, of course. Yep. Thanks for joining me today. I want to say now, this was, so we just passed Valentine's Day. You're somewhat of a newlywed. You and Jason got married in 2020. 
a pandemic wedding, was it? <laughs> it sure was. We got married March 29th, 2020. So about two weeks after everything started shutting down in Nashville is when we have our, had our wedding. So we literally had 14 people there and it was crazy. <laughs> what was the original guest list going to be? So we had 200 people that we invited, and we both have really big families, so we were kind of expecting a lot of those people to come. And we had plan A, B, C, D, E for all the options of the amount of people, and then it ended up being none of those because we could only have our immediate family. So it was crazy just how it all worked out, and we had already been engaged for almost a year, and so... We were just ready to get married. We had been dating for almost five years. So we were like, let's just get married and we can have a party later. So that's what we did. Okay. So did you ever get the party? We did get the party. We did the reception in 2021. So just this past year. And that was great. But honestly, the only reason why we did it is because we couldn't get our money back. So <laughs> <laughs> we were like, we don't really feel like we need the party at this point. Like we've been married for a year and it's just been such a great year. And But you'd already put the deposit down on the building or whatever. <laughs> yes. So we were like, okay, well, I guess we're doing the party and we're just going to wear our wedding clothes again, which like. All the girls out there know that if you try to wear your wedding dress a year later, <laughs> there's a 0% chance it's going to fit. Whatever. <laughs> so I, the whole day, I was just like holding my breath, just <laughs> trying to fit in this dress. And <laughs> it's so funny. Just the way that it all worked out. It's like, man, God's just keeping me humble, but also exceeding my expectations. It was just, yeah, just a great big mess that ended up being pretty beautiful, but also just crazy. <laughs> it's like, it reminds me, um, do you watch The Office ever? Yes. Like when Pam canceled her wedding with, what's his name? Forget his name. Not Jim, but the other guy, the guy that was a jerk. Anyways, they canceled the wedding and they had like all their reception food was frozen. And so every day they would bring it in and she would have to eat chicken or fish it's for six so weeks funny. or something. What is that guy's name? I can't remember. I know, I'm trying to blame. it starts with an R, but... Roy, Roy, Roy. Roy. That's what it was. <laughs> there we go. I feel like I'm a bad office fan right now for not remembering that. But it's just so, it's so early on. Lucky for you, this is not an office episode of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank it's, goodness for that. It's not about office experts. But so you got married, 14 people at the ceremony. That's crazy. And then a year later, you have the party and you get to celebrate. I was going to say the reason why you decided to have the party was so that you could still get all the, the gifts. Well, I mean, yes, for sure. Right. You got to get that bread maker. You got to get that. You got to get the rice cooker. You know, I mean, we did already have two showers and then a lot of people just went ahead and sent their gifts in the mail or better yet. They just sent money. We just got checks. Just cash. Like all throughout 2020, we were like, people just felt bad for us. So they were just sending us money. We're like, thank you. They're, they're just literally <laughs> signing their stimulus checks over to you. Yes. I was like, listen, thank you. I appreciate it. Your ministry is appreciated here. So it was great. Honestly, it was like in 2020, everyone was off the road and all of us were kind of like, well, I don't know what we're going to do for money, but God just provided like all of those checks that kept coming in, like paid our rent every month. And it was amazing. So come on and tell me about your husband, Jason. Now he tours with you. Tell the listeners about how you met Jason 
Was it at college? Yes. So we both went to Belmont University here in Nashville, and we actually met through my music producer. His name is Mark Miller, and he also produces Casting Crowns. So that's how I got connected with him. He's also one of the most awesome people in the world. Yes, he's incredible. And so Mark was actually shooting a movie, like he made this movie just because he wanted to, about ethical farming practices. Really? Yes. And my husband, Jason, was in the movie. He was one of the characters. And so Mark said to him one day, you know, I have this girl that I produce. She's really new. She hasn't even released a single yet. This was back in 2016 or maybe 2015. And um, he was like, you should meet this girl. And so we met that night in the cafeteria, the most romantic of all places. And we were standing in line for the hibachi grill. <laughs> Just so romantic. There was a hibachi grill at the cafeteria? Nice. Honestly, Belmont does it right in the cafeteria. Like, they have good food. But yeah, we met and we went to college together for just a little bit because he was a bit older than me and I took a semester off to go on tour with Casting Crowns. And so I wasn't actually like at college very much when he was in college, but we dated all through college and then he proposed to me on my graduation day from college because I told him that I didn't want to get married or engaged while I was in school because I was trying to do music and touring and full-time school at the same time. And so I was like, I just can't do another thing. So he just waited till the very day that I graduated and said, let's get married. <laughs> That's amazing. Were you expecting that or was that like a crazy surprise to you on graduation day? Well, I knew that it was coming, but I had thought that he was going to propose probably seven times before that. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. Like he was bending out his highest shoes quite a bit, huh? Yes, like in the <laughs> office. But literally, like, I mean, a couple of times his family came to town and I thought, oh, for sure, like this is the time. But nope, they're just there for his birthday or they're just there to visit. or And it just worked out so well. This explains so much to me because at first I was taken back when I saw the title of your new radio single, but now it all makes sense, <laughs> the new song Hibbert. Bought you love. That's I mean it's that's on its way the charts to the world. right now. Bachi love. <laughs> Cafeter followed by cafeteria oh my kisses. Goodness. Can you imagine? Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> Hannah's good. <laughs> no, but you got a good dude. And so that's one of the things I love about your story that I don't know how many people would realize this, but you launched your career as a recording artist while still a college student. And a little birdie told me that you weren't just any college student, but your grades were off the charts. Is this true that you just had like a grade point average that was somewhere in the stratosphere? Is this true? Well, you can brag. It's okay. I'm setting it up. I'm such a perfectionist that I look back at college and I think I got one A minus one. And that just like kills me inside because I'm like, I could have had all A's, but I got one A minus. It was a New Testament class and I got an A minus because on my final, I got a 94, which at Belmont is an A minus. So yeah, I'm quite the perfectionist when it comes to school. And what was your major? I was a religion major. So I was just reading the Bible for school and sport each day, which was just so fun. But it was crazy. And my professor that gave me the A minus, he was like, actually, Hannah, I think that this is a gift. This is the gift of imperfection. And yeah, I didn't see it as a gift. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like, hey, professor, it's not up to you to teach me that lesson. Just bump that up to an A for me. 
That's crazy. So you had one A minus? Yeah. I think looking back, I could have been a little more relaxed about my grades because nobody asks you when you get out of college, like, hey, did you graduate cum laude? Or like nobody cares about that. You know what I mean? So to all the college students out there, just take it easy on yourself and don't stress yourself out like I did because it wasn't fun. <laughs> but it is pretty special. So are you saying that did the grades come easy to you or you're saying like no I stressed and I had to work my tail off to get straight A's and to graduate like that I mean let's be honest though some people just are very smart and I am not one of them but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I think I would describe myself as book smart but street smart not so much I feel like I lack the street smarts that I need sometimes fear no more that's why you're on tour with me great we just balance each other out it's perfect <laughs> yeah. now I'll teach you the street smarts I don't think there's any teaching me the book smarts so I don't know that this is going to be an even trade honestly you don't even need the book smarts who really does you know it's like it that benefited me for the first 21 years of my life and now no more we need the good book smarts we need that one, the one book is the only one we need to worry about and the, the holy bible the holy bible come on praise him being a religion major and like extensively studying scripture in college and then stepping into the career that you have now like as a christian recording artist and singer and songwriter have you noticed it's affecting or informing how you go about your craft? Do you find yourself really digging into the lyrics and making sure that they're theologically lining up? Or what are the through lines there and connections for you in terms of your college education and music? Yeah, I feel like I chose to go to college for Christian leadership and religion because I really wanted it to deepen my ministry and I wanted it to deepen my songwriting. And I just have always been fascinated by scripture. And so I just wanted to learn as much as I could. And I think a lot of my major was half of it was just studying the Bible. And then half of it was kind of practical ministry classes. Like we took a counseling class and a work worship class and kind of just different aspects of what it means to be in ministry. And I think those classes have really just impacted what I do on a daily basis because being a Christian artist, I mean, you know better than even I do of just people share their stories with you. And sometimes those stories are heavy. Sometimes they're looking for advice or they're looking for help. And I think that the best thing that I could do is make sure that I was kind of prepared for that and prepared to just be able to minister to people in a way that's healthy for me and healthy for them. And so I feel like that's the biggest takeaway that I had from college is just learning how to be a minister, not just an artist and not just a singer, but someone that can really meet people on the journey of life and try to encourage them in a way. So yeah, I'm super passionate about ministry. I think that as Christian artists, we have such a unique opportunity to not just make people happy, not just make people smile, like that's part of it. But I think we just have such a unique opportunity to share the hope of Jesus with them. And I want to do that no matter where I am in the country. Like I want to make sure that I'm being a minister. And so we're not vocational ministers. We're not a pastor of a church, but I think in so many ways, like we are ministers of the gospel. So I want to I want to do that justice and do my best. You're so right. Like this genre of Christian music, you are not called to just be a singer. Like you're in ministry and for you to have that mindset, like right at the beginning 
And to have the schooling that you did to help prepare you for that is really, really important. And it comes through in how you approach your artistry and how you approach your music. To have that understanding, because I think there are some people that step into the spotlight as a Christian artist and maybe are caught off guard not the requirement, but maybe the expectation. I think people are listening to Hannah Kerr's music for a different reason than they're listening to Bieber or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they want, it's like, and you've been on tour with Casting Crowns. It's like, you know, I feel like the audience going to a Casting Crowns concert or coming to the brand new tour, right? They're coming for more than just entertainment. They're not just coming and saying, wow me. It's not like going to Vegas and seeing a show. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah. they're coming for a worship experience and they want to hear the power of story. They want to hear from your heart, like what the Lord's doing in your life. And so for you to develop the ability to communicate that is so important. I've always said about Christian music, it's the one genre where what is said between the songs, I would argue, is as significant as the songs themselves. Yeah, that's so true. But that is a lot of pressure on an artist, especially a young artist coming up going, okay, wait a minute, like I've got to be a communicator beyond the three-minute song, and you're obviously doing that really well. I'm curious, though, so did you grow up in a Christian home? I did, actually. My parents are amazing. They've been married for, I think, 34 years, and they were worship leaders my whole life. So I grew up in the church, and I mean, we were at the church nearly every day, every night, and we were super involved, and I feel like I'm kind of one of those not like rare stories, but one of those stories where I had a family that was really involved in ministry and really involved in the church, but I never really strayed from my roots. I never really rebelled or had like a season where I questioned my faith or any of that. I feel like God has kind of given me the gift of faith and just trusting Him. And I've kind of grown just, I think, definitely having the roots in my Christian home, but like grown so much to just love Him more Like as my life has gone on. Something that I love too about my upbringing is just like my whole family is so musical. And so at every family gathering, like every time we got together, we were all playing instruments, we we're all singing. And we have 13 trumpet players in my family. And like trumpet players? Yes. I don't play the trumpet, but we have 13 trumpet players, two French horns, two cellos, two trombones. Like it's just crazy how musical my family is. And so I feel like as far as childhoods go, I had such a happy childhood and just like I have two older brothers who are amazing and my parents just always set such a good example of what it means to really be in love with each other and in love with Jesus. And they just exemplified that. So it made me want to follow him because I don't know, I just, I saw how much they had joy and how much they trusted God. And yeah, so I just never really strayed from that. That was beautiful. So being on this brand new tour, you've seen this blue couch that I travel with, which seems an odd thing to travel with, but the significance of it, my podcast listeners know well, because I engage in asking, I like to ask different questions to every guest, but one question that is a recurring one with every guest, because I love the answer. I love hearing people talk about the moment or moments. It can be you know, whatever comes to mind of a moment where God just really became real to you. It could be the first time or it could be the latest time where there's just been a moment where you felt God speak to you. And I call it a blue couch story because the blue couch was where I met God on the blue couch in the living room of my childhood home, watching a Billy Graham crusade. And there was just a moment where it just became 
there was just a moment there. And I prayed with my mom and I asked Jesus Christ to be my personal Lord and Savior. And so I love to bring that couch on tour because my prayer and my hope is that everybody in the audience and really the why of why I go on tours in the hopes that somebody else who's never discovered their own blue couch story might realize that God is trying to get their attention just like he got my attention on that blue couch. And so with that, I ask you, I love the story of your upbringing and the way that, I mean, if your mom and dad are listening right now, they got to probably have a, a <laughs> single tear running down their cheek. It, it just so, I mean, the, the way that you just honored them and the way that they raised you is beautiful. Can you think of uh, maybe a moment, a blue couch moment in your own life where you just felt like, okay, this is not just my family's foundation, but this is my personal firm foundation of Jesus? Yeah, for sure. When I was in high school, I was a sophomore and I went on a missions trip to Chicago and one night on the missions trip, we were doing worship and... <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing, but I grew up in Chicago. And so when I hear that, people are like, we're going to go on a mission trip to Chicago. All the lost people in Chicago. <laughs> but you know what? It's like, like, I think we need to take some more missions trips to Chicago right yeah. now. Because if you've seen the news, like Chicago. Oh, needs my it. goodness. Anyways, carry on. <laughs> we were in like the inner city. I think it was called Garfield Park exactly is where we typically were. Yeah. yeah. And so one night we were doing worship and our worship leader wanted to do blindfolded worship so we could just really be focused. And so we all had blindfolds and it was just acoustic. And I remember the guy leading, he was singing, Jesus paid it all. And there's this kind of alternate bridge and it says, oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. And I just remember as a 15 year old thinking for the very first time, like I've known Jesus my whole life, but it just kind of clicked at that moment, just realizing my salvation and realizing that God sent Jesus to die for me. I just will never forget. I, I just like started crying immediately. And it was at that point that I kind of, I just realized what God had done for me. And it was after that, that I felt the calling to music and worship leading and writing songs. And it was kind of like that moment changed everything for me. It just kind of pivoted my whole life to be completely sold out for Jesus and not just kind of because I grew up in a Christian home, because I've been a Christian my whole life. And I was baptized uh, a couple months later. And so I feel like that was kind of just the moment for me. It was also a moment where I think there were maybe a hundred students in the room. But during that bridge, I swear that God gave me this like moment of hearing all of heaven sing that together. And it literally sounded like there were a hundred thousand people singing. And I've never forgotten that because I've not really had something like that since then kind of like an auditory vision or something. I don't know. I'm getting all Pentecostal on you. Auditory vision? <laughs> you said you're getting all Pentecostal. <laughs> I don't think that's what it would be, but mm. it was just this really cool moment where I just realized my place in history and realized how much God loved me. And I can't explain it. There's just something that happens when you really realize what Jesus has done. And that was that moment for me. And also, I was going to say that one of my favorite songs growing up was Next Thing You Know by you. Come on. <laughs> and I was literally just singing it the other day when it's like, Billy Graham and the people singing just as I am. And it felt like you were talking to me and the whole world seemed to fade away. And I heard my mother say, like, I remember I had this little boom box in my room. I think that came out in like 
I don't remember, like 2004 or something? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I just remember like playing that song and being like, next thing you know. And (laughs) it's just so funny. Like that's your story. But I've known that story since I was like eight years old. And oh my gosh, that's awesome. So your story like is part of my story. Like it's part of growing up and just being like, I want God to do that for me, you know? Oh man, you don't know how much that means to me to hear because from the very beginning, like that's what I've been wanting to help people find in their lives. Like that song says, what's your 13? Like everybody's got their, like I told mine now, what's the moment? And so I love when I get to hear that. And isn't it cool? I love what you just described about worshiping and then hearing that song. I feel like defining moments in our faith, like it's so cool how they have a soundtrack to like, just the fact that you go back to, like, I go back to just as I am without one plea. And your mind and heart goes, when you hear Jesus paid it all, like, oh, praise the one. Oh, it's so gets good. me fired up, you know? know? And now what does it feel like to you to think about when you get on stage at the brand new tour that your music, the Lord's now using your songs that he's inspired you to write. He's using your voice that he's given to you to step into somebody else's memory. And maybe one of your songs can be the soundtrack to somebody else's blue couch moment. What's just the thought of that mean to you? It's absolutely crazy to me. And I feel extremely humbled and honored because Like whenever there's a little girl or something that walks up to me after a show and says, oh, I just love your song, Warrior. I just love your song, Same God. I was that little girl. Like I went to Christian concerts my whole life growing up. And I remember hearing Beautiful by Bethany Dillon for the first time. I sang that in every singing competition that I ever did. And that song changed my life. Like it just made me realize who I was in Christ and that I was beautiful because God said that I was. And The fact that a little girl could think that about one of my songs is, it blows my mind every time because when we write songs, they feel so personal to us. And it's just like, this is what I'm going through or this is how I feel. But God just continually reminds me that like we are writing songs that are universally applicable to all different people all over the world who say that's my story or that could be my story. And that's amazing to me. Like only God can make that possible. And I definitely don't take it lightly. Like I want to make sure that I always know how weighty it is that the words that I write and release to the world could be the soundtrack of someone else's life or someone else's moment. And Yeah, I'm just so honored by that. People sometimes will message me on Instagram or something and say like, you probably get a million messages about how your music matters, but I've just never gotten to the point where I ignore those messages or think that they're not meaningful. Like every single story, every single person that tells me that my music means something to them, it just, it means so much to me. And I just never want to take that for granted ever, ever in my life. I'm right there with you. When someone shares how a song has meant something to them in their lives, it's like, that's everything. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. And it's great reminders that like, man, I always think about like, it's just so cool to think about how big our God is. He's such a big God that he can use little things. Like to me, that's what's so cool is when I see like, we talk about like how big God is, but like how finite his focus can be too. Like how he can use something as tiny as a little three minute song. 
to step into your like I just think that's such a cool thing and we get a front row seat to that and finally we get a front row seat to witness that with actual people sitting in the seats right I mean we've been waiting for this time you know one of the things that I have to say and I want to brag on you I don't want to embarrass you but you have an incredible voice I mean your voice it is there's a purity to your vocal tone and effortlessness to it. I'm just curious, what age did you wake up and realize that the angels had descended upon you and bestowed these golden vocal cords to you? No. I mean, your voice really is something special. And I think the more that people become familiar with their music, they're going to quickly understand what a special vocalist you are. What age was it? Was it a young age? You said you were surrounded by trumpet players. I mean, <laughs> but when did you find out, okay, my voice is different than Sally over here next to me who can't carry a tune? I don't know when that moment was, but I have been singing my whole life. I remember my first memory of singing in front of people was on Christmas Eve. I was five years old. And my dad was the worship leader at church. And so he was like, I really want you to sing Silent Night in front of our whole church. And because my dad asked me to do it, I was like, sure, why not? So I remember singing when I was five years old. And um, my mom was like, like Gordon, that's my dad's name. Gordon, she's actually like really good. (laughs) And how good can a five-year-old really be? I don't know. But of course, my mom thinks I'm good. So, but I just sang all through middle school and high school. And honestly, like when I was in high school, everyone says this, but it's true for me. When I was in high school, I never got any solos in choir. Like I tried out for every solo and I never got one. And I kind of thought, like, oh, I guess maybe I'm just not like that good, you know? But then I started singing worship. And I think for some reason, God just really allowed my voice to grow so much when I was leading worship. And I just got more confident and I feel like I was going for bigger notes and just like, I don't know. I feel like I just had this confidence. And I think that when I was in high school is when people started kind of calling out like, hey, you're a really great singer. And I just remember being like, oh, well, thanks. Maybe I could be a singer. Who knew? I thought you went to Belmont to study music because Belmont's like, I didn't realize you went there as a religion major. Did you take any music classes though? Well, (laughs) I got in one music theory class and I transferred out of it the next day. (laughs) When I was in high school, I took like a AP music theory class. And so I kind of had the basics down, you know, but this was just like over my head. And I just remember being like, oh, this is not for me. You're not alone. I studied music for four years in college, and I was surrounded by people who were just brilliant at reading music and all these. And <laughs> Me I just too. Felt like, I felt so dumb, and I really did. I struggled so much, and then, and somehow, some way, I feel like my professors could see that my calling was that it wasn't going to rely on some of the technical aspects. I don't know. I just feel like it was like the theme of my college career was Lord had mercy on me. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, same. (laughs) I had to say, though, you talked about not getting picked for solos when you would try to get solos and choir and stuff like that. I, on the other hand, I had a teacher, Mrs. Mahalik. Mrs. Mahalik, God bless her. She wouldn't let me <laughs> not be in choir. I had to be in choir. She forced me. And I think about it now. I'm like, I don't even know how she forced me. But then she gave me every solo. 
and I didn't want it. So here you wanted the solos and you couldn't get it. I can still remember the most embarrassing solo that she gave me was from, I had to do the song from Oklahoma. Do you know any like show tune? But it was like, there's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye. Oh my gosh. Honestly, wow. That just blessed my ears. Yeah. Thank so you. I'm just saying, you didn't miss much <laughs> if you didn't get those solos. But no, that's crazy. So you're making music right now. How did the pandemic affect your dreams and aspirations as an artist? Obviously, it slowed all of us down, it pressed pause on a lot of our plans. I'm curious, like, what was in motion for you that came to a screeching halt? Yeah. So before 2020, I was supposed to release my second album and I had recorded a bunch of songs and I had it pretty much done. And I'd released an EP that was the first half of the album, but we had the whole second half done. And I just remember 2020 hits. I'd released that EP the last part of 2019. And I thought, you know what? I don't think it's the right time to put out these songs. So we ended up not putting those six songs out. And I just started writing like every day. I mean, I had so much time. And so I just started doing Zoom writes. And my husband, Jason, is a songwriter as well. So we started writing together. And it was such a creative, productive time. And the whole direction of my second album just turned, just went totally different place and the subjects just got totally different. And now it's a lot more because I haven't even put it out yet. I'm still kind of working on it. But now it's a lot more about trust. And it's a lot more about what happens when God interrupts your life and totally sends you on a different direction. (laughs) Something tells me that's going to resonate with people right now. (laughs) Yeah. So and, and it's a lot about change and what happens when your whole life changes. And how do you stay close to God in those times? And how do you know that he's going to be the same? And so I am so thankful because I think that if those songs had come out, it would have been fine. Of course, I think God would have used them. But I think I'm just even more excited because my second album, I'm hoping it's going to be kind of a reintroduction of who I am to the world because my first album came out in 2016. So it has been a long time since I put out a body of work and I look back at my first album and I'm so thankful for it because I think you know, every song on there just is such a marker of God in my life. And so I'm like, thank you, God. But my second album is kind of my heart and who I am. And I wrote all the songs and just want to make sure that it's, you know, really me. And so I'm just thankful for the extra time that I had. I think too, I, like we already talked about, I got married in March of 2020. So that whole year was just kind of a year of rest. And Jason and I had anticipated getting married and then just like jumping right on the road. And so we thought that we wouldn't really have the time to enjoy just being married. And so for us, it was- So you kind of got a gift in that. Totally. It's very biblical of us. It says in the Bible, like, get married and enjoy your wife for a whole year or whatever. I'm like, well, listen, God was just doing that for everyone at the same time. But honestly, yeah, there were just a lot of gifts. I think that quarantine in 2020 was simultaneously like the best year of my life and also the hardest year too, just with everything going on. But creatively and personally, I think it was the best year of my life. And I'm thankful for that, looking back. I can't wait to hear your new record. And you have to promise me when it's getting ready to come out, 
you'll come back on the podcast. We'll showcase the songs and we'll talk all about it because I want people to hear. And I don't want them to wait for your new record to go find your music. They need to go find it right now. They need to come see us on tour so they can hear you live. Now, when I hear you sing, I think, okay, this is a girl who uh, she's not lip syncing on stage. She's the real deal, you guys. Not like me. I lip sync on stage. No, I'm, you don't. They're my secrets out. I'm, I'm like the Backstreet Boys. No, I'm just kidding. Can you imagine? That would be so amazing if everyone found out that the whole time you were just lip syncing. Like the whole time. Have you, oh, have you ever seen there's a YouTube video that somebody made of One Direction? And it was like One Direction with auto-tune turned off. And that's what it says. But somebody went in and they subbed the vocals of each One Direction band singing the song, the story of my life, I drive you home. But like they subbed the voices in and it is the funniest, most awful thing. So you're watching oh these goodness. rock stars up on stage singing, but instead it's like, <laughs> the story of my That's life. Incredible. It's, oh, it's the up. best. It's the best. Anyways, so... I can assure the audience that uh, Hannah is the real deal. One of the things I noticed, you have Christmas music. First of all, this is no joke. I told you this, actually, when I got to see you before our tour started. I told you several months before. The West family were listening to Christmas music. I put on a, it was classic Christmas playlist on Spotify or something. And it was like all the classics. I mean, like the ones everybody knows, Frank Sinatra, Nat King Cole, I mean, the classics. All of a sudden, no joke, this song comes on, Winter Wonderland, and the singer, I'm like, who is that? Like, it literally stopped me in my living room. I went and looked up who it was, and it was you. It was so good in the midst of all these classics. Your version of Winter Wonderland was playing on my classic playlist inside the West House. I looked it up recently. Did you know on Spotify alone, it's got like almost 50 million streams? Did you know that? <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like, okay, fine. I'll be the Christmas elf. I'll do it. Fine. Okay. <laughs> you could be the queen of Christmas. This is a. <laughs> but you were telling me that a lot of those streams are actually a fair amount of them are from outside the U.S. As, as well. How do you know this and what'd you find out? So I found out because there's like a Spotify for Artists app that you have and you can see kind of the breakdown of each playlist, how many it's getting, and then where those listeners are. And we found out that a ton of the listeners from Winter Wonderland are from the Philippines and Germany and Japan and Switzerland and just like all over the world, which absolutely blows my mind. And also that Christmas playlist that you're talking about, it makes me laugh so hard that I am on that playlist because it's literally crazy. I think this year it was like Justin Bieber, me, Frank Sinatra. Yes! Like it's just so... It's so cool. It's like, what? But that's where your voice belongs. I mean, it's just, I think it's so cool. It's so cool though. I just thought that was neat. I'm so thankful. Literally, it's just so funny to me because like I recorded that song and you put it out and then you're like, okay, that's my job is done. You know, you might sing it on tour. But like the fact that that playlist has gone so far that the song has gone so far, it's like I did nothing for that to be possible. Like I literally sang the song, turned it in, and then it was like, this is your biggest song yet. And I was like, great. That's awesome. I did zero work for that. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, I feel like in an ideal world, 
I would like defrost around Thanksgiving and then just emerge for Christmas and then be like, bye everyone. See you again next Christmas. Like I love Christmas that much that you will catch me on a Christmas tour or singing Christmas songs every year because it's my favorite thing. It's my favorite tour. I I just wonder if you're playing a summer festival and (laughs) the crowd starts chanting for Winter Wonderland because it's got millions of streets. Winter Wonderland. Last question for you. So, I mean, we've learned so much about you already today. I mean, just she got married in, during the pandemic. <laughs> Her Christmas music is huge in Singapore. I mean, this is with so many layers to the story of Hannah Kerr. When you get on stage at the brand new tour, I, I know you love all of your songs. You're not going to play a song that you don't love and believe in. So I realize this is an unfair question because I never like it when people ask me, like, what's your favorite song of yours? I don't like that. They're all meaningful to me. But is there a song right now that you've got out, maybe you're playing it live or it's just available for people to listen to that just hits different for you right now? And you have a feeling it's going to hit different for people as well. And it could be your single. I mean, I, a lot of times we pick our radio single because it's that song. I was talking to somebody today. They were asking me about my new radio single. They're like, why'd you pick it? And I'm like, honestly, it makes me cry. I don't know how to explain. There's a song of mine right now that just I, it makes me cry. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I'm picking that one because I don't know why this song makes me cry, but it does. So is there a song for you that you're like, when I hit the stage, I just see the crowd responding or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think... It's hard to pick. They're like all ones that mean I know. See, I knew that. (laughs) I think it's between two. I think just for kind of the story of the song and what it's meant to me, probably same God. It's the last song that I put out like on the radio and stuff. And it's such a meaningful message to me because it's just all about how God is the same no matter what we feel like, no matter what we're going through. There's just such a comfort in knowing that God loves us the same and that He is the same. And I think every night just watching people their faces kind of change during that song. And sometimes I'll see like, you know, tears rolling down people's faces and that kind of stuff. I know that the Holy Spirit is at work in those moments and speaking to people. And that song makes me cry too. So I'm like, you know, I just can tell that God is doing something and reminding people of how loved they are. And so that's probably my favorite from an emotional standpoint. But I think my all-time favorite song to sing live is my song Warrior, just because I think that people just get excited and there's just like an energy and it just feels good to sing. It's like if I'm not feeling confident a day, I'll get on stage and sing Warrior and then I'm confident, you know? It's just a song of empowerment and strength and anthem. And so it's kind of just like I get on stage and I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to go. The rest of my day is going to be great. (laughs) I love it. That's good. And back to same God, what you were saying about earlier about trust and change. And like, I can see how that song really like can be a building block for this statement that you're creating right now with your next project. Like it's really what you're talking about of just like the world around us. I mean, gosh, Hannah, have we ever experienced a season like this that has really hit us in the face with the reality that there is no other firm foundation, like all other ground truly is shifting sand. 
and to realize, and I love the message of that song, Same God. I love the message of Warrior, too. Like, the song Warrior is like, I want my daughters to hear that one, too. You know what I mean? That feels like an anthem, especially what I want, you know, my daughters to hear as they're getting ready for the day. But to be reminded that, like, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's not just some cliche. Like, that's the word of God that promises us that. But we've seen that. We've seen the living proof of that during hard times, surrounded by shifting sands. Lord knows, I mean, what are we going to do? Is our health a firm foundation? No. You know, are our finances a firm foundation? What about our plans? What about the economy? What about the, the political strife? What, you know what I mean? Like everything we could try to put our faith in. Is your faith in Bitcoin? Forget about it. You know what I mean? But I mean, it's forget about it. All other ground is shifting sand, and yet who remains the same? He's the same God, and I love that message, and I know people are being ministered to it night in and night out on the brand new tour. Hey, you're huge in Singapore. You're huge. What were the other countries? Switzerland. Switzerland, Germany. Yeah. <laughs> the Philippines. But thanks to the brand new tour, you're going to Kentucky. <laughs> Woohoo! Kentucky, we are coming for you. <laughs> Hannah, you're awesome, and so glad that we have gotten to connect like this, and for you to be able to share a bit more of your story and I just know night after night as people get to hear your music what the Lord's doing through your unique voice your unique story your unique platform easy for me to say that great things are still to come for you and I can't wait to see all that God has in store for you and your music and I know it's going to be hugely impactful because you know what your why is you know who your God is. You know what he's put you on this earth to do, and you're doing it. And I'm so excited for you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This is like the most fun podcast ever. And also, like, you're just such an amazing artist. I've literally looked up to you my whole life. And so I'm just so thankful to be on this tour with you. You're going to be sick of me, okay? Uh, we're, we're not even like a month in. And I'm like, is he sick of me? Yet? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I will say that you read that last sentence that my team sent you to read. What was that part about you've looked up to me? Yeah, sorry. One more time. Uh... <laughs> yes, you read that perfectly. Great. <laughs> Oh, man. Hannah Kerr. Come and see Hannah Kerr on the brand new tour throughout the spring. And go listen to her music right now. We're going to feature a little bit of one of your songs on the show. And we're going to post all your music on the official podcast page at MatthewS.com slash podcast. Hannah, you're awesome. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matthew, so much. Hey, now it's time for Songs from the Story House. Got to feature a song from the great Hannah Kerr so you can hear the amazing voice that I've been talking about. In case you haven't heard her music yet, you're about to hear a little bit of it right now. And after you hear this song, I'm going to encourage you to go find her wherever you listen to music and listen to every song from top to bottom. Even the Christmas songs, even though it's not Christmas time, they're that good. This is Hannah Kerr. Check it out. Shame impersonating the truth. Trying to get my attention I used to think it was you Trying to teach me a lesson But it's just a shout with really nothing left to say
he's my dad and he gives good advice. And so today's final portion of the show is called Dad Advice, and he even has his own theme song. Here it is. He is my dad and he gives good advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Advice. Dad, thanks for joining me. We are recording these Dad Advice segments from the road because the brand new tours and full swing. We're having a great time on the road, but would love it if you could send us out with some encouragement today. We're continuing on this theme of how to keep first things first in our lives. I know our priorities can always get out of whack, out of order, out of sync, right? So I have found this theme of first things first personally to be helping realign my priorities and making sure that I'm putting God above all else. What do you got for us today? Well, we got first praise The Bible challenges us to praise the Lord before we do anything else and to have that as a regular habit. Psalm 146, 1 and 2, our key verses, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. The psalmist was kind of just giving himself a pep talk on praising the Lord. The definition of Christian praise is the joyful thanking of and adoring of God, the celebration of his goodness and grace. This simply applies that the act of praising is rightfully due to God alone. Now, the challenge here is what are ways and how can we start our day with first praise? And a lot of times, maybe we're not a morning person. I know there are people that won't talk to anybody when they wake up, let alone God, for at least a couple hours. But what are some things that we could do to start our day with first praise. One, before you step out of bed, whisper a prayer of thanksgiving and praise. Psalm 5.3, in the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. That is something so important, but easy to forget. Two, start the day with a song. It's a great habit to start. Christian radio is a great way to start your day with a song of praise or a Matthew West CD would be a a good thing. (laughs) People don't listen to CDs anymore. (laughs) Okay. Psalm 59, 16, but I will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. And thirdly, start your day with a scripture that praises God, just like our text. While Psalm 103, 1 says, praise the Lord. It repeats Psalm 146. All my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Remember, God is always worthy of praise, and praise benefits us too. When we praise God, we make room in our hearts and minds for him to come in. Praise lifts our spirits and drives away the devil. So sing, dance, or lift your hands. Do whatever you can to praise the Lord every day. That's a good word. We got this puppy at Christmas time, and I was... Rocky, you know, I was uh, in charge of the late night potty time, you know, taking him out in the middle of the night and I was in such a bad mood. And I started standing, I was standing outside in the freezing cold, three, four in the morning, looking up at the stars, praying that this dog would go potty so I could go back to bed. But I started having this old hymn pop into my head, you know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty early in the morning. Wait, what is it? Holy, holy, holy Lord 
God Almighty, early in the morning, my song will rise to thee. And I just stood there in my pajamas smiling that the Lord put that song. It was like, okay, what if I stopped grumbling about this 3 a.m. standing outside in the freezing cold and took it as an opportunity for my first praise to begin? So let your grumbling give way to gratitude, i.e. praise. That's a good word for today. Thanks, Dad. Thank you, Matthew. All right, my friends, that is our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Hannah Kerr, for joining me. Be sure to go support her. Go listen to her music. Wherever you listen to music, you can find it. K-E-R-R, that's her last name, in case you wondered. We'll post a link at the official podcast page as well, matthewwest.com slash podcast. If you've missed any recent episodes, that is a great resource for you to go check out. Um, Past guests that we've had, man, one amazing guest after the other, one awesome show after the other, if I may say so myself. It's just been a great experience doing this podcast week after week, every single Wednesday, coming at you strong. And we've also been coming to you every Friday with a special bonus episode. We're closing out our What If Devo series, so we'll see you back here on Friday. But in the meantime, go make the most of the one life you get. You get one shot. And remember, it's your story for his glory. Love you guys. Thanks for joining me. See you next week. Seriously, I, I, I do.